0: and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode 96, The Science Behind Setting Turkey Hunting Seasons and Bag Limits. And I am your host, and the guy who is currently in the market for a youth model 20-gauge turkey shotgun. If you listen to the show often, you've heard me say that I am... One of these days gonna buy a 20 gauge and get it rigged up for turkey hunting and I've decided to go ahead and start looking around for one. I'll tell you a funny story real quick. I actually went to a local gun store yesterday and they had a used Remington eight seventy and twenty gauge and it was a youth model gun, it had a ported barrel, it only had one choke with it, and the gun was in pretty good shape. They are asking three twenty-nine for the gun so I asked the salesman if he could do any better on the price, and he told me that they would sell it to me for 309 Well, I didn't feel like it was as great a deal as I wanted to get, so I told him that I would think about it, because actually, even though porting a barrel cost about 100 bucks, it's not something that is all that important turkey hunting. So, to me, it offers no value to the gun. So yesterday, after I get home, I open up a flyer that I received in the mail this week from one of the large big box sporting goods stores. And after rebate, they have a brand new Remington 870 Youth Model 20 gauge for $249.99. So I may end up with a new shotgun here very soon, which will be kind of cool to take that one to the range And get it patterned, shoot some different turkey loads in it, and just see what that little 20 gauge with the short barrel can do with some different chokes in it. So I'm pretty pumped up about that. And I guess the other good news is that today I have 202 days, 8 hours, 4 minutes, and 55 seconds to get that little 20 gauge dialed in and ready and roaring to go for opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. So I've got a pretty cool show for you today. You know, several weeks ago, Bob Smith from Pennsylvania, who is one of the faithful listeners to the show. He's a big fan of the show, and I'm very thankful to Bob for his support of the show. Well, he emailed me with a show topic suggestion that I thought was a really good one. Bob recommended that I get a biologist from a state game and fish department on for an interview to chat about why... The fall seasons and bag limits in many states are getting cut back. Ultimately, we all know why the seasons and bag limits are getting cut. And that is because of a declining population. And now I'm assuming politics are not involved. And it's science only. But Bob more specifically wanted to know how the policymakers decide how long our season should be and what our bag limits should be, given the fact that our populations are declining in many areas. Well, since Bob is from Pennsylvania, he made the suggestion that I get in touch with the Pennsylvania State Wild Turkey Biologist. And I made several attempts to get the biologist with Pennsylvania on the phone to do an interview, but I didn't have any luck. So after trying for several days over the course of several weeks, I made the decision to bail on Pennsylvania and try to find someone in another state to do an interview. Well, I've got a lot of listeners in Pennsylvania, so I hated the thought of bailing on getting a biologist from Pennsylvania, but I also have a lot of listeners in the state of New York. and Not only do I have a lot of listeners in New York, but many parts of New York have also experienced turkey population declines and they are experiencing shortened seasons and lower bag limits as well. I reached out to the New York Department of Environmental Conservation And was able to get Lori Severino on the phone. And Lori recommended that I speak to Mike Chavone, who is their small game biologist in New York. she made that recommendation because she said Mike's the expert on the topic about setting seasons and bag limits. And that he would be a great person to have on the show. Well, she didn't lie. Mike definitely delivered. So today I'm presenting the interview with Mike Chavone and Lori Severino is on the line even though she's awfully quiet during the interview because she wanted Mike to handle the interview but she wanted to listen in which of course I'm perfectly fine with and both Lori and Mike are with the New York Department of Environmental Conservation and they're here to talk about the science that goes into setting turkey hunting seasons and bag limits. So let's jump right into the interview, and I will see you guys on the other side. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in this week. I'm excited to tell you that I have on the line with me Mike Chavone and Lori Severino from the New York Department of Environmental Conservation. Did I get that right?
1: Yeah. You got Perfect. it.
0: The New York DEC. And I wanted to get... Mike on the phone with us to really kind of help shed some light on what goes into setting seasons for the animals that we hunt, but primarily turkeys, since this is the Turkey Hunter podcast. So, Mike, how are you and where are you?
1: I'm well, thanks. I'm in our Albany office, which is our headquarters office for DEC.
0: Fantastic. All right. Are you a turkey hunter yourself?
1: I am a turkey hunter. I've been, you know, turkey hunting since I was probably 14, and and you know I've enjoyed it my whole life. I've been the small game unit leader now for a few years, but I've been working on turkeys for about 10. Okay, awesome.
0: Well, tell us just very briefly about yourself and how you got into turkey hunting. You said you've been turkey hunting for a long time. So how how did you get introduced to it?
1: Well, you know, it's a pretty traditional story. Probably a lot of your listeners tell the same story, where my um, my dad and, and relatives I, – I actually grew up now, down near New York City, but I was fortunate that my father and my relatives had a place uh, in upstate New York where they would go hunting and fishing, and they took me from the time I was very young. And so, you know, I got hooked right away, and, and that actually led me to get into the field that I'm in as a wildlife biologist. So awesome. and if you talk to a lot of people in our field, I think they tell you the, a similar story. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: Well, I wanted to get you on the phone to shed a little light about how seasons are set because it's not just New York, but many states around the country are experiencing declines in wild turkey populations. And it's up to the mics of the world to help us to manage that population so that we'll have birds to hunt in the future. And so I want to thank you for what you do because it's pretty much a thankless job <laughs> for that for for the most part. But without you guys, we wouldn't have the resources that we have. And so, you know, I do appreciate that. But can you give us kind of a detailed breakdown of all of the factors that these, well, I guess you can speak more specifically about New York, but tell us some of the factors or all of the factors at New York that you guys look into to determine your season dates and the length of the season as well.
1: All right. So, well, we have two seasons in New York. We have a spring season and fall season like most states do now. Really, the biggest changes that we've made in response to declines in turkey abundance and kind of changing environmental factors are, are changes to our fall season. Because in New York, our fall season is either sex. You can take a a hen, or you could take a, a gobbler or a jake. So, particularly, you know, since hen mortality and survival is really what's driving turkey populations, we want to be particularly careful in setting that fall season. And so, for a long time, you know, when turkey populations were kind of booming in New York through the 90s and the early 2000s, we could be pretty liberal with our seasons. And there was a lot of other environmental factors that were going on that allowed that population to expand pretty rapidly and to, to grow. And so and our seasons were, were liberalized accordingly. And over the past 15, 20 years, a lot of those factors have changed. And so we're down on the downward side of, of that population growth curve now. And so, and and habitat has changed and predator populations and those types of things. So the factors that we used when we set seasons 15 years ago were relatively simplistic in some way. And now they're a little more elaborate because we recognize that the system that turkeys exist in, both the biological system, habitat and predators and that type of thing, and also the social system, you know, what hunters and other New Yorkers want from the wild turkey resource, that has changed as well. And so we try to Incorporate all that that suite of factors in a more comprehensive manner, and so it's a yeah. I mean it's a com- it's a complex process. I can get into it more in more detail about specifically what we did to change the fall season if you're interested.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: So basically, and if folks are interested, there there's a lot of this information is also available on our website. But uh, in a nutshell, it was a big three big step process. And so the first thing that we did is is we worked with researchers at well, he used to be at SUNY ESF. His name is Bill Porter. And if uh, if any of your folks are interested in, in kind of the, what we know about turkeys, Dr. Porter laid the foundation for a lot of what we know about turkeys, particularly in the Northeast. Um, he's since moved to Michigan State, but he was at SUNY Environmental Science and Forestry in Syracuse for a long time. So we worked with him and one of, one of his graduate students to really understand what the landscape potential is for turkeys, how good at different parts of New York are at producing turkeys. And what really drives that, what we found out was that it's a combination of habitat, large landscape scale habitat and weather. And so based on that, we we figured out that New York State can be broken up into three kind of major zones based on that interaction of habitat and weather. Because when you have, you know, rainy wet springs and you have, you know, you, you have predominantly forested habitat, I mean, you're going to have fewer turkeys on the landscape. If you have a good mix of habitat types, if you have a good mix of forest and agriculture and old fields and things like that, and you have less spring rain, you're going to have more turkeys. And so we really, you know, we had decades of data from on habitat and weather that we could look at and see how that's changed over time and really figure out what the harvest potential was for different parts of the state. So that, that was really the first big step in understanding how to set seasons, what the spatial scale is, is what we call it. Yeah. Uh, so, so the next big piece then after that was really figuring out, okay, so based on those three big zones that are similar in their turkey production potential, what should the season be? And so for that, we, we engage in this process called structured decision-making, and it's been around for, for decades, but it's really just a, a way to break down a complex problem into its component parts. And so it allows us to look at the some biological objectives like maximizing turkey populations and also incorporating social objectives. So things basically what a hunters value? What do they want from a fall hunting experience? What what's a high quality fall hunting experience for them? And then right. and so we can look at different season structures, whether we have a liberal season, like a seven week season, or a very conservative season, like a two week season. And see and we can use a, look at a population model. So If we, you know, under these different scenarios, we can expect certain population growth rates based on data that we have. We can expect certain survival rates based on data we have. We can expect certain harvest number of birds killed by hunters. And so under those alternatives, how does it vary across the state? And how does that affect hunter satisfaction? How does that affect turkey numbers? And so that's really how we identify what's the optimal season structure that balances turkey numbers and hunter satisfaction for those big geographic regions in New York. Okay. I know that's a. I know that's a lot, but it and it is it is a complex process. And and like I said, folks can actually read through how how we went through that process more in more detail.
0: Yeah. Well, it is a lot, but there is so much that goes into it. Just like you said, and so it's good that all of those things are being looked at. And you know, me as a turkey hunter, when I first started turkey hunting and was just hunting here in Alabama, where I'm from. All I wanted to do was hunt turkeys, kill five turkeys a year, which was the which still is the bag limit, it was then and still is now. And now that I have been able to travel around the country and hunt different states and I realize that the hunting is better in a lot of other states where the animal is managed a lot better, I look at it and I say, Okay, well, I'm not as interested in killing five turkeys and having to go out and just absolutely wear myself to the bone to kill five, I'm a lot more interested in maybe if I just killed three, but had a lot better experience while I was out hunting, heard more turkeys, encountered more turkeys, matched wits with more turkeys. And so, you know, maybe a lot of that's got to do with me getting older, but I think a lot of it has to do with seeing what turkey hunting is like in some of these other states where the resources really managed very well. And so I think that the fact that you guys take that into account and making your season length and setting those season dates really says a lot. I think that's awesome.
1: Well, I I appreciate you saying that. And one of the you know, like I said, when we're when we're going through that fall season setting process that's really what that structured decision making process is all about is really balancing like i said those competing objectives so maximizing turkey numbers but also maximizing hunter satisfaction and so we you know we use that term maximizing but you can't maximize both at once right so we could have a very liberal season with a high bag limit and hunters would be satisfied for a while but it would turkey population would suffer on um, the okay. the converse being we could close the fall season and it, you know it would help turkey populations the hunting mortality would be Zero, but then hunters would be dissatisfied, and so we have to find what, what the balance is. And what we're really fortunate in New York is that uh, we work really closely with Cornell University, has a group called the Human Dimensions Research Unit, and they really specialize in the social science of natural resource management. And so, as part of that SDM process, they surveyed over 6,000 fall turkey hunters in New York, and we just didn't ask them to vote. You know, what what kind of fall season do you want? Do you want a seven-week season or a two-week season? What we really tried to get at was what they value from a, a high-quality fall hunting experience, and what trade-offs are they willing to make? And so, you know, the, the trade-offs between having the chance to go afield and also having a lot of turkeys on the ground. And so, what we found, what they they ranked highest more than just you would think it would just be oh they just want to go kill a bird, but what they ranked highest above all the others was hearing and seeing birds. That's what they really want right. to, which is directly tied to turkey abundance. And then the second thing they valued was just the chance to go afield. They just wanted a chance to actually go out in, in the woods and be able to hunt. And then the third thing was the chance to kill a bird. So, you know, their, their priorities were very similar to our priorities, which is, you know, making sure that there's enough turkeys out there for everybody to enjoy.
0: Right. It's very important. So, are those then the factors that you talked about that you guys looked at to set your season dates and season length? Or is, is that pretty much the same for setting a bag limit? as well?
1: Yeah, we looked at a suite of season alternatives and those season alternatives for the fall were a combination of season length and bag limit. And we have really good data in New York on you know the number of birds hunters take, the their success rate on one uh, for the first bird and areas that have a two-bird bag limit, the success rate on the second bird. So we have a really good data that we can feed into a into a population model. And so we said, what we did is we said, okay You know, starting from right now over the next five years under these different harvest scenarios, whether it be a seven-week two-bird bag, what will happen? What what will the population trajectory be over the next five years? And then then we said, okay, under a, you know, a three-week two-bird bag or a two-week one-bird bag. And so we can compare those different alternatives against each other and see which one does the best job at, you know, protecting turkey resource, but also meeting hunter satisfaction objectives. And so it was a combination of season length and bag limit that we we're looking at, not just one or the other. Does that make right. sense?
0: Yes, absolutely. I, I would definitely imagine those two would go hand in hand. So was there any consideration for maybe even moving the fall season or changing, I shouldn't say moving, but changing the fall season to male turkeys only?
1: There was, and that was that was one of the alternatives we, we had considered. We didn't wind up ranking that during that that structured process and the reason why is because we collect age and sex information on birds in the fall and one of the things that we do is we ask hunters to identify their bird and then we compare it to our identification of the bird and so hunters sometimes have our challenge to identify male turkey especially young male turkeys in the fall and so that that was one issue of misidentification especially for jakes you know during the fall season young of the year birds The other issue is that if we just made it gobbler, so adult males or toms, only about 20% of our fall take, or 20 to 22% of our fall take is toms, and so if we just made it toms, that would actually restrict fall hunting opportunity a lot more than just changing season length or bag limit, because they, you know, that yeah, it makes up a relatively small percent of our our fall take.
0: Okay. What percentage of your fall take are hens?
1: It's about, it's been about 50-50, and, and, and over the past five, six, seven years, that was one thing we were concerned about is that we noticed that, that the percentage of our, our fall take, especially of our adult hen take, was starting to creep up. And so, you know, and and fall hunting mortality, particularly of hens, was something we were concerned about. And, you know, we, we were in the middle of a, well, we're almost towards the end of a four-year study where we're looking at hen harvest and survival. Uh, we're banding hens during the winter, and we're tracking them with satellite radios, and uh, uh, to look at hen harvest and survival. Because one of the concerns we had, based on our the proportion of adult hens we were getting in the fall harvest, was that our harvest rates were were too high in the fall.
0: Okay. All right. Now, you guys have a in New York, you have a, a rich history of fall turkey hunting, and I know it's very important to a lot of people, and it's the same way with Next door to you in Pennsylvania and a lot of the northeastern states, even more so than down here in the southeast. So, I think that you probably have a lot more pressure on your birds in the northeast than what other parts of the country do in the fall, where deer hunting is, you know, our deer season in Alabama lasts, it seems like four months, but I really think it's about three and a half months. And that's what 90% of the population of hunters do in in the state is hunt deer. And other animals, squirrels, quail, any of the other animals really don't get hunted all that much. And the people who are hunting those get pushed out of the woods because of all the deer hunters. So I know it's really important for you guys to, you know, manage that resource in in a manner that you are giving people the opportunity to get out there and, and take birds. So that makes sense on not just going to a male-only fall season. You talked a little bit about the population decline in New York. What are the main contributing factors for that from your studies?
1: So there, there's a couple of things that are are going on. One is, as I mentioned before, you know, turkey restoration occurred in New York from the 1950s through the early 1990s, where we, we captured wild birds and moved them around the state. And some of the what used to be the conservation departments now DEC in New York. Folks that did that, Fred Evans and folks like that, were some of the pioneers in those methods of taking wild birds and moving them around. And then, you know, those techniques were have been used all over the country successfully. So in the 1990s, after restoration was completed, populate, so birds were introduced to these habitats where that were vacant largely. And so the population just really took off and, and at the same time, the, the landscape habitat was better, and so we had that good mix of habitats I talked about before with the mix of forest and agriculture and those old fields, those early successional habitats. We also had this situation where we had raccoon rabies come through in New York in the early 90s, and so those nest predators like raccoons, skunks, possums were really knocked down by that raccoon rabies epidemic. And so that was just a, a, a factor that would normally suppress turkey nest success, and that was that was being suppressed by rabies. And so you had this right. perfect storm of conditions that allowed turkeys to really boom through around 2001 or so. And then from 2001 until 2005 or so, we saw this population decline. And what we thought initially, and I think it was the case, was it was just a natural contraction. You know, it just turkeys had to settle back down to be in line with local environmental conditions and that type of thing. It couldn't, It couldn't go on increasing forever, right? But then what we noticed over the last decade or, or more is that the decline has continued and that in the past, since about 2008 or so, has been really a sharper decline. And so what we think is going on is, is a couple of kind of large scale and then also smaller scale things. One is that that landscape scale habitat has changed. And so in areas in New York that used to have, this, especially like Western New York near Buffalo that way, we used to have this good mix of habitats. Now it's mostly mature forest. And so you'll get turkeys there, and turkeys will persist there, but just be at lower densities than they would in other parts of the state, say where I am in the kind of the eastern central part of the state, where we have a better mix of habitat types. You know, turkeys really, especially for nesting and brood rearing, they need those open fields and they need that shrubby cover and that type of thing. And so if we, when you lose that, your nest success and pulse success is going to be lower. We also, you know, that rabies that came through in the 90s is. It's still present, but it's at a much lower level now. And so populations for a lot of those nest predators have rebounded. Um, we have predators like fisher and bobcat, which didn't used to be in central and western New York, but they've, they've uh, moved into parts of central and western New York now. Right. A, lot of the, the, a lot of the avian predators, hawks and owls and things like that, that their numbers are doing well or doing better than they had been 20 years ago. So you kind of you have a lot of factors working against turkeys right now. And then, so, yeah, you have, uh, habitat, you have predators, and then over the past six or seven years, we just have back-to-back poor production years. And so when we have, we've had these rainy, wet, May and June periods, and so that's really when tur- turkeys in New York are either nesting or, or raising poults. And so when we have really wet May and June, either nest success or poult success or both, or both will suffer. And so when you get that back-to-back, in back-to-back years, which we had for the past six years or something like that, we had below average productivity, the population just doesn't get a chance to bounce back. And so it was, uh, you know, that kind of suppressed the population even further. And then, you know, when we we throw in three of the last six winters have been severe winters. And so fortunately, this past winter was mild, but the previous two winters before that in New York were very severe. And so when you get extended periods with deep snow and and below freezing temperatures, which we had in, in 14 and 15. And that can really affect um, survival, particularly of juvenile birds. And right. so you had all all of these things going on at the same time. And so then, and it's within this context that we have to set seasons. And so really, well, understanding what the habitat is, what the weather is, what what the predator populations are, all those things, and also what the hunting pressure is. You know, you got to be able to come up with a, a way to try to put your hand around all those things in order to set a, a sustainable season.
0: Yeah. So we know the past couple of years were bad. How was this past spring as far as hatch and recruitment? For
1: 2016?
0: For 2016, yeah. There's hope for the future.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny that, so we we had a good production year in 2014, and then we had a really severe winter. And so I think the the, the ground that we gained was offset by that tough winter. Last summer, the production was close to average. It, It wasn't terrible. We had a mild winter, so that those two things coinciding is good. So I think if you look at our, you know, some of the data that we have, we're we're showing a little bit of a recovery here over the past year or so. Yeah. This year, we do a summer turkey survey during the the month of August, and so it's both DEC staff and the public can submit observations of birds that they see as they're out and about during the month of August and they can actually submit them through our website online. And that really allows us to look at an index uh, pulse per hen, the average number of pulse uh, per per adult hen. And so we, we don't know what it's going to be yet. Uh, we're still gathering, gathering data. But just based on the weather that we've had, we had a kind of a cold, wet first week of May, which was bad news. But the rest of May and June was kind of dry and warm, which is good. So I, from what I'm seeing so far, I think the production year will be – it'll be decent. And there'll be pockets, of course – uh, New York's a large place, so there'll be pockets where production wasn't so great. But in general, sure. I'm hope, uh, my fingers are crossed that the dry weather we had in most of May and June was is a good omen for uh, a good production year in 2016.
0: Yeah, I hope so too. So what can we hunters do to help out our state biologists and game and fish departments? I mean, Are there volunteer programs that we can participate in to help you guys do what you do and to help manage our resources well?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So we, well, the simplest thing, one of the simplest things folks can do is make sure that you report your harvest in the in the spring and the fall. And so those harvest data are really important to state agencies in their decision making, and to make sure that we have accurate information about the number of birds being taken by hunters. And you know, if, if departments have um uh, like hunter surveys about how much time you spend a field, hunter effort, and that type of thing you know, fill those out and send them back. And, and like I said, that, that partnership between the agency and the hunting community is really important to make good management decisions. And there's also lots of what we call citizen science efforts. And so our August turkey surveys is an example of that. And so if your agency and your state has a citizen science effort, whether it's a, a winter turkey survey or summer turkey survey or, or whatever the case may be, you know, make sure you, you participate in that and you let uh, other folks know that that opportunity is available. And it's been, you know, even for the non-hunting community, people love participating in those types of of surveys where they can report observations of whether it be turkeys or deer or whatever wildlife are out there. Yeah. Awesome.
0: I appreciate that information. Do you have any closing thoughts or comments that you want to share with us before we call it a day?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I I just encourage folks to, to learn more about habitat management efforts that are either ongoing or that they can participate in. You know, New York is a big state, but only about 15% of our land is is publicly held. So, you know, habitat is really important for for nesting and brood rearing. You know, we only have access, the state agency only has access to a small percentage of the landscape. So if folks are interested in either they have access to land or they're part of a hunt club or, you know, their family has uh, land where they can do habitat management, Then work with uh, groups like Turkey Federation or Rough Grouse Society or your state agency about getting technical advice about, you know, how do they develop a habitat management plan? How can they cut timber? You know, how do you cut timber in a sustainable way that has wildlife benefits and that type of thing? Really, you know, look into ways that you can do some habitat management work on on land that that you uh, have access to. And it's going to improve your your hunting, but it's also going to, you know, just be good for, for wildlife in general. And that's really where it all starts, isn't it? I mean, if we Absolutely. don't have the
0: right, if we don't have the right land, we're not going to have whatever it is we we want there, whether it's deer or turkeys or grouse or pheasants or whatever it happens to be. So obviously there's got to be a population in the area, but if you can manage your property and make it better than your neighbors, you're going to have more of those animals you're managing for than your neighbors. So yeah, I think that's very wise advice. So. Mike, thank you very much for taking time out of your day to come on and shed some light, not just on New York State, but I think a lot of the states that are having their seasons cut back and bag limits cut back, can. a lot of our listeners in those states can take the information that you've provided and be able to say, okay, well, this is going to be fairly universal. There are states out there that are not looking at it as as in-depth or not as aggressive as maybe... New York state is in managing that resource. But for the most part, most states are managing their resources very well. And so I appreciate you shedding light on that. And Lori, you have been extremely quiet and I don't want people to think that I've just left you out intentionally.
1: No, no, no. Mike is the one to talk on this.
0: He's, uh, he's our our guy on our ground. is very helpful and knowledgeable on the topic. Lori, we can barely hear you, but for you guys listening, Lori was kind enough to set all of this up for me to speak with Mike. And so, Lori, I greatly appreciate your help with that as well. And and I wish you guys a very wonderful afternoon and hope that everything keeps going the right way for us turkey hunters and for the turkeys up that direction.
1: Great. Well, I appreciate you uh, taking the time. And if everybody goes to uh, the field this fall, wish them good luck. Thank you, Mike.
0: All right. Thanks, guys.
1: All right. Take all right.
0: Care. You guys have a great day. Goodbye now. Okay, Okay. I hope that you guys enjoyed that interview and learned a little something from that. You know, for me, I think the thing that really stood out the most is that the Department of Environmental Conservation uses hunter satisfaction survey results as one of the factors in determining the length of the season and bag limits. They really seem to be listening to what you hunters in New York believe to be the most important aspect of enjoyment of your turkey hunting. And they're setting the season lengths and bag limits to try to appease the greatest number of hunters. And I'm pretty impressed with that. And I don't know if that's something that most states do or not. I would hope so. But I find the challenge of balancing satisfying the greatest number of hunters possible and managing an amazing natural resource like the wild turkey pretty dang interesting. Okay, so that's all that I have for you guys today. But before I sign off for the week, you know I'm going to ask you for one favor. If you found the show this week to be informative, then please forward, like, share, and retweet this week's episode on Twitter and Facebook for me. As always, you know that that is extremely helpful in introducing potential new listeners to the show. Of course, once you introduce them to the show, it's up to me to provide really good content from that point to keep them coming back to the show. And I think that I'm still doing that for you guys, because we're about to close out Our best August ever, as far as downloads to the show. And I'm very grateful for those of you who are helping to grow the show by letting those who follow you on social media know that this resource, the Turkey Hunter Podcast, is something that you listen to each week. Thank you guys very much for that, and thank you so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye.